With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined by my colleague Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large, sitting across from me in her office in Los Angeles. Always a pleasure to be in the same room as you, Anne, rather than across the country. Always a pleasure, and, Eric. And the countdown has begun. We're recording just a few days before the Oscars. This crazy weekend that for me always feels like a film festival without the movies because we've seen them already. <laughs> it's now just a bunch of parties. The voting has ended. You There's sound weary <laughs> already. <laughs> but, you know, I got to say, it's, it is it is a real blast, at least for me, as somebody who has maybe slightly less on the line than, than you pundits who, who are predicting these awards all year, although I do a little bit of that myself, just to see the kind of intricacies of this whole award season machine enter its final stage, you know, all these people are exhausted. Everybody you've been seeing in different places, at festivals, at various events throughout the year, they all want it to be over. Some of them really want to win. Some of them have already made peace with the possibility that they won't win. But no matter what, they've got to go there. They've got to go to the ceremony. They've got to deal with all that attention and just get through it. It's really hard to understand where their minds are at right now. Well, the, the party I went to last night was for um, Universal and Focus Features. So Ron Meyer, the head of the whole uh, Universal shebang, um, was hanging on to the Green Book scenario, which some of my Oscar colleagues are uh, believers in. They really believe that Green Book, because of the preferential ballot, because it's so popular, and because mostly because it won the PGA, will be uh, the big winner. And I'm more convinced that Black Klansman has a chance to win a few Oscars, which is the Focus Features movie. Uh, also being celebrated at the party, although, um, you know, uh, Terrence Blanchard, the composer, was there, and uh, Kevin Wilmot, the screenwriter, but not Spike Lee. I heard he had a basketball game to get to, so I get that. The voting had ended. And he was also at a basketball game at the WGA during the WGA Awards, which he was nominated for, and apparently he was clutching his phone looking at the results Spike's as they came in Spike, you know? and he lost I mean, <laughs> he did lose I, I just think what's really interesting about him is yes the persona is part of it but I, I think there's there's something really real about it's almost like we're all invested in the Spike persona too we've all been there with him over the years and we're and, and many of us are rooting for yeah, him you want to see Spike win and somehow that's okay well let's talk about that as it applies to the Oscars so yeah because the headline to your prediction yes, say yes. Roman Cuaron should win. I agree that they should. They're the most qualified, but that's not a definite statement. It's a likely. I'm being a predictor here. I'm not saying it will happen. But with respect to. I am saying will win. I'm saying will win and spoilers. Yes. So there are some potential spoilers in both of those categories. Picture, in particular, is so fascinating because... Well, I've got three contenders Conventional wisdom seems likely to prevail here, here, right? With respect to Roma, and yet 
as you point out, there's still a green book factor. It's the preferential ballot. It's, a, it's a question of all. Thing. They do, people like to like tear their hair out with the mathematics of this, which basically, if you imagine that there are piles of of ballots and. Um, you have people voting for number one and what percentage of the uh, about 8,000 people in the academy you know ended up with Roma at number one and then there's the number two and then there's the number three I actually don't let my head explode about this because there's nothing you can do (laughs) you don't know right you really don't know you don't know I mean you can't there's no way to, and even a lot of voters aren't necessarily thinking about this and how it might influence. They anybody. are. That's what I think is so terrible well, about the uh, about this. People people not fool around votes, with what they put at number one and number two. Right, but not everybody votes for. You don't have to complete the whole thing. You could just vote for one. It film doesn't too. matter what you put at the bottom yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah, and I think something with respect to the preferential balloting this year that I'm trying to figure out, and I know that there is a theory that okay, so if Green Book is a very common number two choice, then that would help it, you know, kind of have that kind of consensus poll that puts it in the best picture slot. But the people who feel strongly about Roma are not necessarily the same people who would say Green Book is a number two movie. I feel like they might say Black Panther is a number two movie. I agree with you. So to me, it seems more likely that a Black Panther would be the preferential ballot kind of. That's why I have three movies vying for this best picture. But what I'm saying with respect to the Green Book thing is it just feels like the Green Book contingency is that those are people putting it at number one, but not necessarily, they're not necessarily Roma fans. They're, that's a whole separate kind of thing. So it's less about preferential ballot, and it's more just some people who are just voting for Green Book. I think the Green Book actually did get tainted by a lot of the things that went on. There were people who dug in their heels and said they liked it anyway. But um, and I noticed that Stephanie Zacharick, I believe, wrote a, a piece about you know how do you feel guilty? Do you have to feel guilty and shame you know for for loving uh, Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody? And there are a lot of people. I will tell you, the movie people talk about more than Green Book is Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, if that movie wins Best Picture, there's going to be a riot. But they the all know. They all know <laughs> that it got 49 on Metacritic. They all know that it has a cardboard villain and isn't a very good movie and a formulaic yeah. one at that. And that, that's why that. Rami Malek will win because people look at him as the essential component of the movie that made the movie good, along with the sound, I might add. The sound credit. You, you right. could, so you could you, put Bohemian Rhapsody on there for sound yeah, editing and mixing and you could you stuff. could do well. Right. So but so that's an interesting one. I mean the fact that Bohemian Rhapsody has a bunch of nominations and Queen is going to perform at the Oscars and stuff is a little bit awkward considering that in a year where, where everybody's celebrating the cultural impact of Black Panther and Roma and Green Book being this crowd pleaser of sorts, that this like bad movie will also cast a huge shadow at the ceremony that's had all these problems is a, is a bit it's a bit offbeat. No, you know, I've been doing uh, interviews with various people um, um, who are unnamed uh, for these anonymous Oscar ballots, and sometimes those can throw you off because there are there are a lot of people who um, are going for Roma. By the way, there are also a lot of people going for Christian Bale or going for Richard E. Grant or or going for Olivia Coleman, and you just have to um, look at the precursors and hope that your instincts are correct um, in a year like this. So we talked about Best Picture and a little bit Director, where essentially there could be this 
Spike Lee narrative that that you know spoils the Quaron thing, but that's a that's a tough it's an one. unlikely Seems scenario. Seems unlikely, but it would be pretty. It would Which be a pretty interesting Which is why he's more upset. likely to win adapted screenplay. Right. So adapted screenplay, that's pretty much a safe yeah, bet. Even though, can you ever forgive me? Won the WGA the other night, and I think a lot of people love that movie and love Nicole Hall of Center and Jeff Woody's script. I still think they're going to want Spike to win. Something and I think Terrence Blanchard wins score for the same reason. Yeah, totally. I mean, I just you look at that category and it just it stands out. And well, that the Beale score Street is one great. is very popular. It though. is popular. That is true. It's, it is, and it's, it's, it's essential to but, the film itself. But if you do the math, more people probably saw the Best Picture contender than Beale Street. And to be honest with you, I mean, so I did a, a, a Q and A moderating thing for for the composers branch with Spike and Terrence and, you know, obviously staying ovation and stuff. And you could argue that the Spike narrative you were talking about that propels him to best adaptive screenplay is the same kind of narrative for Terrence Blanchard. And yeah, composer. it's it's a life so, uh, achievement yeah, award. Never, never won one. But he's also, it's a great it. score. And it's it a really fantastic it's score got, that like, carries that, the tones and the shifts in tone in that movie yeah. are very expertly carried by that score. Yeah, it's like this classic rock guitar riff thing going. So, so okay, so we talked about Rami and Best Actor, seems like a lot. Best Actress, Glenn Close, The Wife. Okay, I'm not sure how Olivia Coleman upsets that one. It would be a fun she, upset. She, she'll have another chance. <laughs> one always hopes. She, it's not that like she just arrived. That has a lot to arrived, do with it. But... It has to do with the idea that, that Glenn... This could be her, you know, her best shot at it. But I will say after that seven nominations before it's not like Olivia Coleman. She may be lesser known in the U.S., but she's not some newbie. And, and so I do think there was a "it's her time" kind of a narrative to Coleman before the Glenn Close one came along, which was much more powerful. So you know, it's not like Coleman. Well, you and I are familiar with her. I would say, as far as the mainstream of Hollywood, she's a she will become a household word with the Queen, which is part of what kept her from uh, right. campaigning. But um, I don't think I don't think she's as well known here as you're suggesting. But if no, what well, I'm, I'm I'm suggesting exactly the opposite, which is she's not particularly well known, but that she had if. If in a year without Glenn Close, there may have been more space to actually explain to people who Olivia Colman is and the fact that, you know, she, she is not a newbie as an actress should count for something. Well, she's you know, a star in Britain. Is, yeah, this is an accomplishment in a major she's, kind of way. She's considered she one of the best actresses in, yeah. in working in Britain. Exactly. Supporting actor. So this was an interesting one, the whole Mahershala narrative. It's like somehow this poor... It's almost like what you were saying with Rami Malek. It's like this poor guy has survived all this backlash and still seems so, you know, accomplished and, and is able to radiate a kind of dignity that has allowed him to remain untarnished and by he, the movie. Talk about authentic, actually. In his case, he managed, you know, with all of these different, you know, the N-word thing with with uh, Viggo Mortensen. He, Islamophobia. He, the, all these different things that came up, um, you know, the, the idea that Green Book was being told from the white point of view as opposed to really encompassing the entire Don Shirley story, which is not what they were trying to do. Um, but the family came after them. All of this stuff, and he really took the high road. He always, you know, he said, this this is uncomfortable, this isn't great, I don't like it, but he didn't um, ever assail anyone or he managed to to walk the line so i'm gonna... and i think he gets rewarded even though richard e grant has staged the most charming the most delightful often on twitter 
and often with selfies. Yeah. I'm going to go out campaign. of and say I think he's going to win it because, again, I have less skin in this game by, by you know, some percentage. But I will also say that, it, you know, when this movie premiered at Telluride, you could feel that inevitability. And the Green Book, the entire Green Book narrative caught people off guard. It was, it was, there was a Telluride thing with Can You Forgive Me, which was not expected to be this really beloved right, movie. Right, it was very well re- and then regarded. Green Book also was a story, but but Mahershala, he's already won before. He may be well liked, but the movie is tarnished to the point where Richard E. Grant, who everybody's loved for ages, that's not the. Never... They love him, and 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 they've loved him since with and Nail it's his and time. I. Come on, and it could be his time. But Mahershala, when is he going to get another chance? He'll get another. But but Mahershala, he guy. might not. He might not. But Mahershala. I've learned over the years not to ignore the precursors, and he's won everything. It's been a sweep. What happened? And it isn't like that just falls off instantly. I don't remember the specifics. Also, they want Green Book to win something. That's the logic. I'm just thinking about, but I mean, I'm thinking about when it might not win anything else. When Mark Rylance won, that came out of nowhere. There were no precursors, and and everybody said it was going to be Sly, right? Well, Sly, that was a mistake because. In retrospect, they often go with the classier actor. But when Bridge of Spies first screened... But in this like, case, Mahershala is a classy actor. He is classy. But this was one with a similar kind of situation. As I recall, where it was like when we saw Bridge of Spies, everybody thought this was the guy. And then, and, and then Creed Two came along a couple weeks later and kind of hijacked that What narrative. was going on with, with that was that Sly kept going to these events and getting standing ovations and mm-hmm. people were cheering for him, and people interpreted that kind of enthusiasm. Now, for example, Mahershala at the, um, the lunch. lunch got the biggest applause by far of any of the candidates. What were they applauding? Yeah, he's a, he's in a, a way, guy. no. It, it, I think they were applauding his class in this, uh, you know, Green Book scenario. So, so I mean, again, it's a, you're saying that he's got the same kind of thing that Rami Malek has going, where it's right. like he's the best thing about. All this kind of disaster that's happened. That's here. right, so, and and it's inter- the Bohemian Rhapsody thing is fascinating too because if it were to win, for example, best editing, which I have, Vice winning, um, but it could win because the narrative is this weird thing where this movie somehow turned out as well as it did without a director, with well, Brian I mean, Singer being fired. It is. It, it has two weeks before the end. It has a very well edited sequence at the end it's what everybody remembers too if you're thinking about what is what what is a movie where the editing really stands out that that live aid performance really stands out in terms of how it's cut together in the crowd no i have to tell you the crafts appreciate the virtues of bohemian rhapsody that's part of and it keeps winning things at the guilds yeah i I would go for that one this is i mean it's a reasonable people seem to be going for vice uh, as a kind it had it had um eight nominations and it was, I don't think it's going to win anything else, especially if Bale doesn't win. So this would be, well, no, no, no. It's definitely, here's the thing Vice will win for sure. Makeup and, st- and hair. Which is too bad because that should go to Border. Which, oh, which nobody saw. for all this stuff. Which nobody but, oh saw. my God, the makeup in Border. Go watch good. Border. The On makeup. a low budget. I Transformation know. in that movie is next but level. But the, the, the one in Vice is pretty. What, what, I mean... 
I have been, I, I was voting for Christian Bale for much of the season, but I backed off and went for Rami Malek in the end. Sometimes I'm not that you, high on that, well, though. Uh, yeah. No surprise. I don't know many people who really are in a completely earnest way, but, you know, they aren't the kind of people I hang out with anyway. So, okay, so let's keep going. We, we've got a few other major categories over here. We have supporting actress. So, Regina King is a conventional wisdom. That's You're not saying... so conventional because she wasn't nominated for SAG. But we have to remember that SAG is huge AFTRA, SAG AFTRA. And right. it's this enormous body of like 20,000 people yeah. who are ma- very mainstream and, you know, many of them unemployed or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think we can look at SAG as being as predictive as it once was. Um, and she and she wasn't nominated for a BAFTA either, but Her, she, she won the Critics' a, Choice Awards. It's a very it. powerful narrative. I, I, she seems to be the one who has the most visibility. And the Golden this Globe. Season. I mean, I think she's going to win it. Don't forget that Golden Globe speech where she and, committed fifty percent of her projects to be female, yeah, yeah, focused, and, and all no, that. They like her very much, um, and I think she's very well known from television. And I, I think she's the best thing in this very good movie, but I'm, I worry that not enough people saw the movie. Well, so... If, or liked the movie. If she doesn't win, you have Rachel Weisz as a spoiler. She's great in that movie. But I was going to argue for Marina de Tavira because of the Roma faction and the fact that she is also very well-liked and has been everywhere this award season. One of the things I remembered recently was that it, when we all looked back on Moonlight... Um, one of the stories that I um, heard was that people from that, what happens with these movies is that the group of people just work the town for a long time and it's almost a social thing. They're going to this event and that event and the other event. Mm -hmm. And I have to say my own experience being with, since Toronto with Marina Tavira and um, Jalitza Aparizia de Tavira is is that is that they are uh, lovely, absolutely lovely, and they make um, a good pair, and they're a good pair, and she they, speaks they English, look the out for each other. Like d- yep. Okay with not speaking English. Yep, and and, and so I I I could see uh, the scenario you're describing. Part of it too is that Alfonso Cuarón. You could say there's a, there is some ordinarily there would be more resentment against him for uh, taking over. There is resentment from, from the editors that he took over uh, the right. editing of Right, you think with cinematography. The cinematography. But then now, you the look ASC at that didn't give it to him. Right. They went with Lucas Zal from, from Cold War. But, um, Who's you, nominated? That was a big deal that he got nominated by the yeah. ASC. So I think he's still going to win cinematography, and I think he's going to win director, and I think he's going to win foreign language because the people on the foreign language branch, they haven't all seen, the people who vote for that haven't all seen all f- five of the movies. So I, I think... There could ordinarily be enormous resentment against him, and yet there isn't yeah. because he's so charming and courteous and polite and makes a big deal about Chivo Lubeski helping him out. But and, also look at know. the friggin' movie he made. Yeah. I mean, if he made Green Book and he was this, you know, rock star who, who wrote and shot and edited all his stuff, he would be like, screw that guy. 
but he made this movie that is so personal cha- and also and very so much challenging. of a memoir. I mean, it's like it appeals to those of us who watch, you know, a broad swath of international film and are open to all these different experiences, and to the others who are not. I think they're surprised by the kind of complex experience that's rewarded by your investment in this slow burn thing. So it's it's an experience that if you go through it, you don't let go of it. And the fact that he's not, you know, going around kind of mugging for the camera in a really kind of able he's working kind of hard. Way. He's working really yeah, hard, yeah, yeah. actually. The, I think what's sort of interesting about that there is a certain backlash to Netflix, um, and you can um, uh, you can parse it into several different components. One would be distributors who are rivals of Netflix are very, very threatened by by it. And um, but that's a group of people who are executives, people who are actually, you know, competing with them. Mm-hmm. Most of the people in Hollywood, most of the people who vote for the Oscars have no problem with no, loving Roma and, and re- appreciating its artistry as a two hour movie. And don't forget, uh, speaking of anti Netflix bias, the notion that a big company that's employing a lot of people could have this internal bias in a group voting group where a lot of people are actually probably working they for this place. They want to work for them, absolutely. Or want to. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that, that part they of it, you've got to take that seriously. They want to be hired by them. Yeah, they're not they're, against. You can look at Netflix in a, in a, in a very old-fashioned way. It's the biggest studio in town. It, it absolutely, the I mean, other studios looks like it that Barry Diller describes as challenged and archaic at this stage, they're they're facades of their former selves so we got a little off base here let's get to, get into best original <laughs> screenplay people should be taking notes we're a little all over the place but we are going through the categories and the more informed you have the cooler you're going to sound well, at your oscar it might be party. easier to just look at the Here's story the thing. even if you even if you're losing you should know why you lose lost right you need to have some informed guesses the more educated you are on these categories the more interesting the conversation gets because this is a fascinating year all across the board in terms of what the possibilities are. So best original screenplay is very interesting, right? Because I would agree with you, Favorite stands out as the kind of movie that would win in that category, but it's not written by Yorgos Lanthimos. If people really like Yorgos Lanthimos, they don't know oh, Deborah Davis and Tony Oh, I don't think that makes McNamara. any difference. He worked, he worked really closely with them. I well, think we know they look that, at the movie and they see this incredibly witty banter and incredible dialogue, a complicated uh, inter, interweaving of different stories and different time frames. I think it's actually one of the most outstanding screenplays of the year, and hopefully a little it win. Feels, it feels like, to some degree, I mean, my feeling has been like he maybe passed on having a writing credit, but must have done something. He did a lot. You and I both spoke to him. Yeah, it feels very consistent with his work. He did a great deal. And this screenplay goes back a while. So if you really do look at it on that level... Well, he also brought in Tony McNamara to rewrite Deborah Deborah Davis, who did the sort of historical version of this. But you're saying Green Book would be a spoiler. Not even... I mean, one thing that occurs to me is we haven't really talked about the Paul Schrader of it all, which is that he is the most known quantity on the list of nominees on that category. So why not make First Reformed a spoiler? That's the one where people look at it and they're like, oh, Paul Schrader, it's his time, never been nominated. A lot of people thought he wasn't going to get nominated because not enough people saw the movie or whatever it is. He's been nominated. That movie was definitely a bit of an underdog that I think some people didn't expect to go as far as it did. So Schrader himself just being on that ballot could also make him something of a potential surprise. I mean, it could happen. You, you think about people looking at that ballot. And being I like, would yeah, say it's Paul I would say that a lot of people were surprised that Paul Schrader did not 
um, had never been nominated before, so they addressed that. He's now been nominated. Um, I would say that he's probably not at the top of the list to win because a lot of people didn't see First Reform. Well, that's the thing. That's the bottom line. But he got nominated for that. The fact that he he got got nominated whether they saw it or not. Well, so can he win whether they saw it or not, too? I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's all I'm saying. You see that name on the ballot, that could mean something. I'm going to argue that the favorite has been nominated for 10 Oscars, and it's going to lose most of those, and this is the one it could win. And you know what? If it does, I'll totally be in support of it. It was my favorite movie of last year. Roma was number two, so hopefully I'll be happy in a lot of categories. Let's talk about Best Animated Feature, because that one's really interesting. So people think, okay, Spider-Man, everybody loves Spider-Man. Your, your, your cousin and your nephews and your nieces, like everybody's seen this movie and has had a great time with it. It's so rare to see that kind of crossover appeal. It was a real surprise, but that's also the potential detriment to this movie where people may or may not see all the films, but they love the Pixar film. They want to support Brad Bird. They just go for Incredibles too. Nevertheless, it does seem like everybody's been really enthusiastic about this movie. So it's almost like a soft front runner to some degree. I think that in, that uh, Spider-Verse is a very big frontrunner and will win. And uh, the reason for that, it, it, it's, it's, there's several narratives. One is that the producers, Lord and Miller, have proven themselves over and over again since they were snubbed for the Lego movie which should have been nominated and wasn't. It was quite mm-hmm. a shocker at they the cut, time. Emma Stone brought a Lego Oscar that year, so they <laughs> cut her. She was holding it for the camera. That's good. Yeah. And then, um, and, and this is, what they did in this one was just go for broke and did just broke the rules. It's, I mean, and it's much more satisfying. on it and created all yeah. these different layers and it's, gave it a tactile kind yeah. of hand. In, in Incredible Stories, it's, it's, you've seen that movie before. And, and it, and, 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 but it's still coherent and it's not a complete mess with all these different characters running in and out and all these different uh, verses, you know, that, that are uh, on display. And so, meanwhile, Brad Bird, who everybody thought would win at the beginning, did a sequel 14 years later that is superb it's and okay. extraordinary. No, no, no. It's it. fantastic. Yeah, I mean, but, but, and the, I was dif- the degree of difficulty, you think you've seen it before is the problem. And that's yeah. why he'll lose. I, I had seen it before on you, some level. No, I mean, and I, I felt like he had third act it's problems. It's a sequel. I mean, he, well, that's another reason. It was just like the fact that it was made in the, the I mean, the, the Toy Story sequels are outstanding. This one I thought was just okay. And look, he's got two of them. He's good. Brad Bird will be fine. That's the other reason why it'll be Spider-Man. <laughs> so, yeah, my fingers crossed. I saw that movie again uh, in 3D, in, in theatrical release. I find it to be just fascinating. It's much better the second time around because you pay attention because to a lot so of Because it's so dense. Yeah. So much I would love on. to see it again. Yeah, you know, really. I mean, I love Spider-Verse. I, I think they did an amazing... I mean, I just remember running into Phil Lord at the very first... Uh, screening and and I I he was I was like avoiding him for a while because I I was overwhelmed by the movie I needed to process it before I could say anything uh-huh. Uh-huh. and he admitted that he completely went for broke with with it like throughout everything and just went for it so the category that Pixar does seem to have locked down is animated short with Bao yep first woman to direct a Pixar short or at least finish directing a Pixar 
film since the director of Brave was was fired. This is the first one to do a short, though. And a first woman short. to do a short. So that so there's that. But also, I mean, some people say that Bao is is creepy because it imagines a, a kid being basically a dumpling come to life. But I I think that creepiness is sort of key to its appeal. It's like about the weirdness of the parent child relationship. That's right. I mean, it, it, it's just a really and and the rest of the category is a little soft. So that that's kind of like a done deal. So you looked at all the animated shorts this year. Um, was there a, my other one that I put in the spoiler category? Because I don't think I don't think. All right, technically you are not supposed to vote in one of these categories like the shorts if you haven't seen all of them. Well, most people haven't seen these. And they know, Many they know people have seen people. Bao. But they Bow, yeah, because it was in front of Incredibles and it yeah. was it was out there. But and if not, they might vote for it anyway. And exactly. So, but the one I liked, and I'm curious to know what your second uh, would be. The one I loved was Weekend. Yeah, Weekend. I mean, that of the two Canadian films that are nominated, I would say that's the really strong one. This sort of wordless portrait of this kid experiencing his parents' divorce. It's very expressionistic and. Beautifully detailed, and the music yeah. is great. Um, yeah, yeah. 100%. And it has it uses repetition in a really yeah. clever way. No, I think those are the two standouts. And it's in the moving category, also for anybody other, with a broken family. Yeah. Nothing else in the categories was anywhere near the strength of those. I two agree films. with that. I mean, it's just sort of and then so the whether action, they're Canadian or not. Yeah, there's Canadian. It's like setting that <laughs> irrelevant. There's actually three Canadian films. I don't know if that's a conspiracy or if they're the only ones paying right. attention to that. So category. if we're doing shorts, the live action shorts are the weirdest collection. I don't know if it's, it's, I think it's kind of an off year. child abuse movies. Yeah, they're very, very bleak and and some of them I think are child in danger movies. A lot of them are kind of heavy handed this year to be honest with you. There's some, they're like well intentioned but to me, Fav, the French Canadian one is is the strongest piece of filmmaking. These it was very well done. And, it had a lot yeah. of suspense, um, and it was upsetting. I mean, how terrifying to watch a kid slowly sinking into concrete. That's essentially the the centerpiece of this. And I won't spoil it's, it anymore. It's almost like that up, scene yeah. from Lawrence of Arabia oh, with God. the guy in the sand. Yeah, that's it's really like it's very cinematic in terms of how they enact that. Because they go to this extraordinary location, this this pit, this open pit. But um, the one I liked the best is the one that isn't like the others, which is Marguerite, uh, again, Canadian. It's a good acting showcase, two-hander, very tender, you know, Beautiful. old woman looking back but, on a but uh, also, forbidden love affair. But she, it, it, what was lovely about it was the bonding between the caretaker and the older woman. And I just see a lot of, I could see a lot of the older Academy members responding yeah, it's positively a, it's a, to that. it's an old Academy member, which is not a knock on it per se. It's just that it's, it's that kind of a thing. Just practically speaking, Yeah, it's, it's between those two, it seems like. And so we talked about that. So documentaries, I haven't seen all of those. So that one, I think you have a bit more of a of an insight into because it's it's sort of a that's a tricky one because I've seen Night at the Garden, Marshall Curry's film, which to me seems like the kind of thing that would get a lot of attention given what it's about, you know, this Nazi rally in Madison Square Garden. But on the other hand, it's a it's a clip show, you know, it's seven minutes of footage from that rally. That's why I so, don't think it'll be a factor. I mean, I hope everybody sees it. I hope it get uh, it get. I know it's had some controversies around Fox being unwilling to, to show anything related to it. But um, the movie that I think um, will actually go f- go all... Oh, there's a rainbow today. The Look weather in L.A. is a bit It's odd. very cloudy and dramatic, and there's been a lot of rain, and we're looking out, and there's a snow-packed mountain, capped mountain with a rainbow right through it. 
perhaps this weekend's Oscar ceremony won't be the disaster everyone's oh, been predicting. I'm hoping it'll be all right. But anyway, that's me. I'm I miss Pollyanna all the time. Okay, I think Endgame. Uh, Jeffrey Friedman and Rob Epstein. They're veteran uh, documentary filmmakers for one thing, so they have a lot of cred. And, and they, it's Netflix. They went small. They they took a you know they us- they usually make or bigger movies with crews, and they just went mm. intimate into this small. These these very small spaces in these hospices and, and hospitals and and it's moving. It's about how people uh, say you know go through the process of saying goodbye to a loved one who has a terminal diagnosis. Interesting and and, and again I mean Netflix has won in this category before with White Helmets and they've they've campaigned pretty well for that one. So that it's likely to be one of the ones they've they've seen. That said, it's not that complicated. Um, so I could be wrong, and they could go for, I mean, I liked Lifeboat, but it feels like we've seen a lot of movies like that. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see anything else in that category that you think could challenge uh, No, Endgame? I mean, but that, that's, I was just saying that Night of the Garden seems like the kind of, because it's generated a lot of attention around what it's about, the fact that you know we're dealing with a resurgence of anti-Semitism right now, there could be something around that. It's more you know? about the fact that he recognized what to do with the discovery of this archival material than yeah. than a big, a complicated movie. Right. Right. Yeah, and then no, the other the other issue with the with the black sheep one, which is very effective, um, and has to do with with a young man who. Who, whose parents move him out of a, a dangerous neighborhood into a, basically a white neighborhood, um, who then tries to deal with his identity issues by fitting in. Mm-hmm. It's very well done, but it's also a lot of reenactments. So it, I just don't see documentary people accepting that. So let's do foreign language, because this seems like it's sort of a done deal. Like you said, should, Roma should do well. And you expect it to win here. Now, New York Film Critics Circle, when we were one of the first people who had this option of giving the award for foreign and for best picture to Roma, and we split it. Part of that was. But you could decide that with each other. Well, no, it was a voting process, but it had to do with the order in which we voted. So by not by voting on best picture first people had this sense of what was actually going to win when they voted in other categories. That is not necessarily the case when you have a huge body of people. Now, one of the things so. that's going on with the Oscar picks this year is that there is a lot of splitting going on. Some people are giving Black Panther to production design. Some people are giving Black Panther to costumes. Some people are giving it to both. Some people are going with the favorite and splitting it. But we don't know which way they're splitting it, you know? So, so in the case of foreign, I originally thought, oh, they want to spread the wealth. They're going to give Cold War uh, that win, you know, because they know Roma's going to win something else. But what if they don't know that? That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it seems like a tricky thing for a lot of people to suss out. But you look at that Best Director nomination for Cold War and that Cinematography nomination for Cold War, and it does feel like there is enough of an awareness of those two movies. In those crafts. Well, maybe you're on some. So, if you look at the whole academy, then you're getting into publicists and executives and producers and writers. They may not have seen Cold War. I'd like to think they have, but they may not have. And then they may also be thinking, well, if Roma is winning a bunch of stuff, what else is in the category? 
And those are the only two movies in the category that have really gotten any attention whatsoever. So, well, Sony Pictures Classics, in in its own way, decided to open Capernaum and... Um, the Florian movie. Florian Henkel von Donner's Marks uh, never... Exactly. You can't even remember the name of it, so that's why I won't win. <laughs> No anyway, remember. that one is Someone will tell us. Never Look Away. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very good movie, and I like it. Um, and it got a cinematography Absolutely. nomination also, but that doesn't mean... Ever, they, so Capernaum and Never Look Away are both showing right now, and they haven't been that widely viewed. Yeah, so that's... Forget about it. All right, so we, we know production design is basically... Shoplifters a, a, has been well seen, though. Shop, I mean, that, that is true. Shoplifters That's a bit be, of a hit, a surprise hit. In another I think year, it did more than $2 million. It would, it would have more currency, but it's kind of like the Tony Erdman nomination, I think, on some level. It's that like, one didn't do any business. Nobody liked Tony Erdman yeah, well, except like us. It. You know, it, <laughs> but, a, but, but, uh, but the, I mean, Shoplifters like the is actually movie, truly but, popular. Yeah, no, it's interesting. In another year, maybe it would have had more lift. So production design, pretty safe to say Black Panther, although the favorite is kind of a reasonable spoiler in that category. Um, and then that we have uh, all these below-the-line things to consider beyond that. Sound editing, Bohemian Rhapsody, sound mixing, Bohemian Rhapsody. You had this great line at the end of your predictions piece about visual effects, calling it for Avengers Infinity War and saying Thanos is one of the great animated characters of all time. So that's kind of interesting because... I'm sort of always curious about these categories and just how much people are thinking about those factors versus like the best movie in the category or whatever it is. You know, I mean, Ready Player One is a spoiler. I thought it's Ready kind of Player One was great. A lot of people really liked that. I, I thought was sort the of visual surprised. effects were amazing. I, I could, they didn't campaign for you it. You could go back and I think you said it a few weeks after this movie premiered. That you thought Spielberg was going to get a best director I actually thought they were going to go for it, but for whatever reason, they never did. I well, love that Well, it ended up being a, a relatively busy year, and Spielberg himself seems to have a gazillion other things going on, and has two Oscars, and is not necessarily going to set aside. They a made bunch a of calculation of what they thought they could achieve, yeah. and, and that's what happened. So, we've got our predictions. Probably some stuff will be right, and some stuff will be wrong. The final question is. Is the ceremony going to be memorable in any capacity after everything that the Academy has doubled back on? They doubled back on stuff after we record, within hours of our recording last week. I know. So everything that they were trying to do different, for the most part, is no longer the case. Uh, from they the, had to walk it back. Yeah, they walked back It turns everything. out that a lot of people want certain traditions to be maintained, including a long ceremony, including including all the crafts in yeah. full length live. But I think a lot of people have made this a really good point over the last week, which is that making changes to something that seems antiquated is one thing. Doing it in a way that seems to be a disservice to the institution itself it's only going to create more problems because you can't have the Oscars without the Academy. You just What's can't. interesting about it is that it's become so clear that they have um, multiple masters to serve, and ABC is one of them, keeping their finances going in the face of this enormous financial suck coming from the Academy Museum is another, and their own members, who they seem to have, difficulty communicating with effectively are another uh, factor that they really mismanaged in this particular case, however you want to 
describe it, they did not keep their members happy. And, and so um, public relations is also an issue in terms of how they roll these things out. Um, and, and then there's the audience itself, yeah. uh, you know, trying to broaden that audience yeah. or get you, more people to watch. There are certain things that you can't fully control as a network, and there are certain things that the Academy itself should not change to satisfy the network. I, mean, I believe that on. they have had more leverage in the past standing up to ABC than they do right now with the Academy yeah, Museum. Need, and Bob Iger, the head confidence. of Disney, is one of their chief fundraisers, by the way, yeah, who owns it, ABC. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like you, you need to have the confidence to, say this, confidence to say, this is what we do, this is who we are, and if we need to improve one aspect of it because of this business relationship, we need to do it in a way that's consistent with our values. Now, now, I know one that's idea tricky when you got is, money on the line, but... One idea that's been floated is, is that there's two things. One is that the Academy um, Board of Governors is so unwieldy that they're incapable of governing, which I think is probably true, 54 people. Yeah. So a maybe, lot of them are art, art, artsy types who are not meant for this kind of work. I know, you know? And, it's, and so they could make it two people representing each branch instead of three or something like that. And then the other thing... Um, is just um, you know stand up to ABC and make sure that that you 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 include everything or take the shorts and take them out, you know. There's many different you ways could, you, could you could do it. They, they, they have a brand. They have a brand name that they could, yes they should. Get they should trend, use somebody who wants to be about transparency and, and, and just like open it up talk and listen to their through, own members. As have well. more town halls and stuff and don't shrug off Ann Thompson when she tries to interview you at a film festival. I interviewed John Bailey. Uh, what what happened was that this I saw him like half an hour late. I saw him like half an hour later and he didn't know who I was. I mean that's his loss. <laughs> but I, I, I just. I just want to remind people, Laura Dern was put up to be the head of the Academy, and I would love to see somebody like that who is widely beloved and also very sharp, smart and very cogent who wants to fix things and also a face. But put you know? no, but just yeah, I, I'm, I would argue just make sure that the person who's the new now John Bailey's going to be out in uh, the summer because he's his he's on the board of governors and his limits are up, so they're going to have to get somebody new anyway. Yeah. Get somebody with political skills. Yeah, yeah people be, being a people person. Social does skills. Yes. In any case, I can't wait to see the two of you chatted up at the governor's ball. I'm sure it'll be a completely. He won't remember who I am. Cozy dialogue. Trust me. He, now, maybe, he still maybe doesn't he's been know. Putting you on this whole time. No. It's, it's a, a Sasha Baron Cohen type of performance art piece. I don't think John Bailey thinks that the media is important or Twitter or Facebook or any of these uh, social media. I think he thinks it's all stupid and irrelevant. Well, we, we, we'll see what it's like once we're in the belly of the beast on Sunday after all this stuff and, and who chooses to, to make a crack about all these things. In any case... It is always a blast talking through Oscar season with you, Anne, because we start out not really knowing where we're going. We have different kinds of agendas throughout, but stuff continues to surprise us, and we could be really wrong on Sunday, and it's still worthwhile. So let's get into it, because I personally, I think that we're in for a really exciting weekend with the Spirit Awards and all these different parties that we're going to. And, you know, even if a lot of people are angry at you Monday morning, they probably had a good time, you know, placing their bets. So let's go enjoy the weekend. I'll see you around. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.